Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Thursday night safe space uh, ahead of wrapping up the St Kilda game, reviewing the, uh, previewing the Gold Coast game. My name is Ashley Brown, and joining me for the next hour on what is an action-packed spaces. We're going to be joined around 9 o'clock by AFL Media rising star journalist Josh Gavlich, who I think has the Hawthorne beat as one of his many beats for the year, so looking forward to talking to him about his views on the Hawks for this year. But in the meantime, I am joined by just a couple of co-hosts tonight. We're down a few soldiers, to quote uh, Clarko. Firstly, Darren Levine. Hello, Darren. Hi, Ash. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And, yeah, it does feel like uh, we're kind of limping towards the end of the season as well here at Hawks Insiders. That's right. Uh, a limited just a limited list to choose from, a bit like the Hawks at the moment. And uh, But we make up for it back after uh, basically... Uh, uh, looking after Melbourne City boys at his local soccer club last week. Danny Prince, hello. Uh, thanks for having me back on, Ash. Appreciate the, the opportunity. How was it last week with the uh, the second best team in Australian soccer? <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good. Um, we've done a lot with Melbourne City with my local club and we're a, a community partner of theirs and um, they really they really try to give back into their, to the local southeast clubs now that they've moved out to Casey Fields. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's always awesome for the young kids to see whether whatever sport it is, uh, see you know their idols or the, the the people they want to strive to to be like and play like uh, come around and just be normal people around their football club. So, really exciting. Whether it's soccer in this case or uh, or AFL for local footy clubs as well, I think it's really important. We don't have Andrew West tonight. He is an apology. We don't have Brad Klobansky tonight, also an apology, which means we're going to be drowning in an air of positivity uh, without uh, Brad around. Hopefully, Simon and Morowitz will join us at some stage. But with just the three of us, means more than ever, if you want to take part in the conversation, raise your hand to speak. We'll get you on. We'd love to uh, get your views on various matters relating to the Hawks as we go through the next hour or so. We'll start, as we always do, with the um, last week, Hawthorne 10-15-75, sorry, St Kilda 10-15-75, Hawthorne 9-9-63 at Marvel Stadium, a game of two halves. Um, the Hawks kicked one goal five in the, fir- uh, in the first half, came back a bit later on, probably a little bit too, uh, too much, too little, left to too few to later uh, uh, towards the end. Um, we start with a good. Daz, what did you think? Well, I think we had one good quarter. <clears throat> so that was that was the good. Um, it was a pretty diabolical game to watch for the first three. And <clears throat> I don't know what it is about St Kilda. They're not a particularly great side, but just seem to have one of their best games of the year, always against Hawthorne the past few years. So I was pretty much expecting this result, unfortunately. I think... Um, Obviously, the young, the development of some of our younger players is really the best takeaway from that game. And uh, you know, the Ward, Newcomb, the usual suspects. Will Day had a had a great second half. I love the move of Scrim up forward, and I think he he did a great job up there. And he might have to play a role there this this weekend as well. Um, Dylan Moore brought the energy again, I thought, and was the catalyst behind that comeback and big boy also had a massive captain's quarter and I really do hope that he goes on next year. It'll obviously depend on how his injury holds up and how his body holds up, but he's just so crucial for us 
Um, I don't think that comeback would have happened without big boys' influence, not just, um, you know, around the ground, but but just as a captain and as a leader. Um, also loved Sammy just sort of moving the magnets around a bit and seeing Emerson Jekka continue, continuing his great form from Box Hill um, at half back. And I think he's going to be probably a fixture of the side um, hopefully next year. I think he's just looks like he's played at that position his whole life. So a lot of exciting signs, but yeah, it was a pretty diabolical first three quarters. Interesting that um, Tom Mitchell got coaches' votes, Will Day got coaches' votes, but the MVP, which I suspect is a fan award uh, for the week, went to John Newcomb. So, um, yeah, Newcomb, for the first time, had to deal with being tagged. Danny, uh, the bad. Channel oh, the bad. Yeah, there was a fair bit of it, and uh, I'm sure Brad will listen to this tomorrow and uh, critique my my work. But um, the first half just felt like uh, we were sort of uh, 15 to 20% off our game, missed handballs, missed kicks, dropped marks, um, broken chains of uh, like linked chains through the, through the ground, and they all resulted in turnovers, um, which generally resulted in St Kilda scores. Um, yeah, just nothing clicked in that first half, and we moved the ball really slow. We couldn't work out how to counteract the Saints counter to our fast-moving uh, game. And I feel like we were just weren't brave enough. We didn't, we didn't um, try to really go. So that was really disappointing, I think. Um, disappointment started at the selection table, not selecting two Ruckmans, two Ruckman, um, get my plurals right there. And we've gone and done it again this weekend, so go figure. But um, McAvoy, for as uh, valiant and, uh, and as good as he was in that last quarter, being our main sort of focal point, um, he was towed up by Rowan Marshall, and to be and to be expected as well. So uh, Rowan Marshall's a premier ruckman in the competition, but um, I would have thought you'd just give big boy, um, who's you know 250 games in uh, and been a warrior, but not a number one ruck anymore. I would have thought we'd give him a bit more support. But there must be something going on with Max Lynch, and I think we'll ask um, Josh Gabalich about that later on. But um, yeah, he got he got smashed. Uh, yeah, so that was it was really disappointing, um, and I think yeah, carrying on from what Daz said, the ability to turn it around was fantastic, but we just left it way, way, way too late. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a funny thing about Secure though; they're an average team, but they they play Hawthorne and their eyes light up, and uh, they find it very easy to, to to beat Hawthorne. And I think yeah, the the ruck decision was puzzling. We'll talk a bit about Sam Mitchell's media conference a bit later. There was no one there really this week to sort of ask him what's happening with uh, Max Lynch and what he's thinking about with selection. So it was certainly it certainly was a strange night uh, at, at the footy. Not a whole lot. I think uh, we placed a lot more store, you know, as, as fun as the, the last quarter was. And it was a very experimental Hawthorne team. At the end, they actually came back and made a run at St Kilda, um, albeit too late. Uh, I think the the major part of the game was the first half, first half even the first quarter, first two and a half quarters really before Hawthorne clicked into gear. Uh, the fan experience, uh, just another sort of uh, bog average uh, late afternoon, early evening at Marvel. What I did notice, I'm walking in from the city to the game, there were more Hawthorne supporters in the streets than St Kilda supporters, which I found interesting. Um, the Hawthorne supporters, I think the hardy, faithful uh, still really enjoying going to the football league week and seeing, uh, sort of watching this young team develop. It's interesting, the Hawthorne supporters, you know, many old enough now to remember the growing pains of 
2005 and 2006 know that uh, if you put in the yards, hard yards now, watching a team that's in development, you, you reap enormous satisfaction in in uh, when the team does come good. So and we're going to talk about that maybe with Josh when he comes on because uh, Ben McAvoy's had some interesting comments today that I think have been a bit underreported about uh, what he thinks the Hawks might be up to, uh, uh, to what the potential is for the Hawks. Um, also, um, from fan experience, the other part uh, was, I think, was watching the St Kilda supporters squirm in their seats in the last quarter as the Hawks came back. They unlocked the St Kilda game, the, the, sort of the, the round four game when they absolutely destroyed Hawthorne early and, and got very... Uh, and got very loud, some of them. Uh, they were very quiet throughout much of this. Uh, that, I don't think they have a great deal of faith in their team and uh, it was definitely silent in the last quarter when the Hawks came back. So that always made it as, uh, a worthwhile outing in the end. Stuart, good evening. you got a question for us. Uh, yeah, good evening, all. Um, I listened to the player ratings on the podcast the other day and I found myself a lot more negative than Brad. Should I be concerned? <laughs> yeah, go, go yes. get that checked out, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you, GP, mate. Yeah. What what did, what did you think? Give, give us a couple of your ratings. I'm interested to know what uh, what what you thought and uh, who did he overrate, or who who do you think uh, deserved a more realistic rating than he gave him? Well, I think, and even the and he was probably more realistic on Tom Mitchell than I was. I thought Tom was uh, was awful just with his disposal. Um, it's all right getting. As many as you do, but if you're going to kick them, kick them around the corner straight into uh, an uncontested mark for the opposition, I, I just it, re- it was really frustrating me. Um, and the other one, I, I think, um, was um, I thought Harry Morrison was okay, but nothing, um, hardly a pass. I think I think they were the first two, and that's when I started to really concern myself. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm with, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on Tom Mitchell, Stuart. I think a few weeks ago in our player ratings pod, I spoke about how he's, he seems to be one of the least damaging midfielders in 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 the game at the moment. He gets his hand on the footy a lot. You know, it, I think that masks his kind of uh, inefficiencies as an attacking threat and as someone that can actually launch positive play. Off his boot, he's, he's, that kick to handball ratio is a massive problem, um, and I just it's it, it it's great that he's getting his hands on the footy, he's extracting the footy, but I just expect so much more. Do you think? Um, and I'm looking at, at Matt Crouch as well from Adelaide. It's almost like the game that they played when they were uh, best and fairest and Brownlow medalists. That that's not not the game that people are playing now. Uh, it's not about the possessions and. Uh, around the ball, it's about moving it forward a lot quicker, and I, it's almost like these guys are, have missed the boat on that one. I think yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Sorry, uh, Ashold. Um, I think the game is evolving to the point where not only do you have to be able to win it, but you've got to be able to use it well and uh, and quickly. And if you you look at, at Mitchell, he's a bit of a slow user when he gets it, and he's he's a chippy, you know, fifteen to thirty meter kick. That goes really high and, um, you know, gives the opposition an opportunity to come in and, and intercept mark or spoil or break up the play. And I think that's really, it really hurts, especially when we don't have a lot of great ball users around him. Um, if he's allowed to just go and do his thing, get on the bottom of packs and win the first ball out, I think he can still, 
have some benefit to the team. But it depends on what the midfield mix looks like as to whether that will work. And I think uh, that's been an ongoing issue all season. It, it, se- it seems like we're not, we just don't have that penetration going forward. And he's what, a cat- catalyst of that. Stuart, what do you think of um, Connor Nash's disposal? When, I mean, he won the ball the balls well. I'm not convinced his disposal is, is brutally up to scratch either. No, it's not. But then you go and look and see 91 or 94% or whatever it was next to his disposal efficiency and you try and, <laughs> try and work that back. Um, disposal, disposal efficiency is something that um, I'm a little confused about sometimes because you can see with the uh, Finn McGuinness, for example, if he's kicking it to the top of the square and we don't get, it, get the possession, then it doesn't actually count as... Um, good disposal where he's done exactly what he should have done and then you see um, Nash's figures and think well I'm not exactly sure how it is Nash Nash can Nash can kick the ball 40 50 meters um, and he chooses not to a lot which is probably just coming with learning all right sure now before you go um, thank you give us your votes you three two one we're down a couple of soldiers so we're very happy to have your votes for last week yeah oh, hell okay um, <laughs> I'd, can you go someone else and I'll come, and come back to me in about two seconds once I re- recap in my brain? No worries. We've got Brenton with us. Good evening, Brenton. Brenton. Brenton, do you want to speak? Yep, you there? Sorry. Yes, mate. How are you? Good evening. Sorry, I was uh, having myself on mute there. Um, no, I was just listening to what you were saying before with what the um, with Cosy and also all that, I think Cozzi either needs to develop his rut craft or Lynch needs to develop his forward craft. Um, that's why I think I've tweeted a few times lately. I, I just think that we fall down. And as much as we need midfielders and we need them desperately, um, a centre-half forward rut takes longer to develop. So I think that's, like, my mindset this year has changed that that's what we actually need to... That's what we need to recruit. We need to recruit a half-forward that can go in the rut. Because we saw in the last quarter last week, McAvoy went into the forward 50 in the last quarter. And before that, we just didn't have a target there. And then as soon as we went there, we actually started being able to hit someone and create chances for the smaller forwards to keep the goals. And he was marking it and clunking it. And we're a different side straight away. Yeah, yeah I, think it's a, I think it's a really good point. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure that Cozzy's doing either thing really well enough at the moment. He's really a pinch hitter. He's almost if you're desperate in the ruck. I mean, the best setup for Hawthorne's been... Played the best footy when they had Reeves and McAvoy. That was a, a, that's been you know that was a perfect combination for Hawthorne this year. And now um, I'm not and for the rest of the season. I'm not sure what we're going to get. It's interesting for Lynch. I mean, nobody quite knows why he hasn't been picked um, as, as a second ruck. But I'm not sure he's got the the. Uh, I don't th- I don't think he offers much more than being a ruck. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, he's he's definitely a uh, first ruck predominantly, but it does allow McAvoy to be that second ruck slash key forward, which I think he plays really well because he's just such a great aerial threat. Um, like the man's the, one of the best sort of pack or contested markers in the league. So um, it allows him to play to his strengths and only have to relief ruck, which I think at, you know, 31, 32 years old, that's all we really want from him. So I think he's the one. I think it's how you fit in, you know, Lewis and Gunston and McAvoy and potentially that other second key tool um, if you want to develop another um, another young forward. But 
Um, I look, it's only a problem we're going to have for the next 12 months because I can't see McAvoy playing much longer than, than one more season. So it's just trying to find that balance between now and when McAvoy retires. And then who is that? Um, yeah, like you said, Brenton, who's that second ruck slash key forward? Because I, I can't see a, uh, a real clear option on our list outside of McAvoy. All right, Brenton, you don't go away easily either. What are your votes for? Uh, what are your votes for last week? It was pretty spread. I don't think we had a standout. Um, as you said, Tom Mitchell had most disposals, but just didn't do anything with it. Like um, I thought, Nash was really good in the first half when no one else was. So I'd probably tend to look at him because I, I think we came hard when the game was already lost, and before that, no one did anything. So I'd probably give the votes to Nash if I'm honest. All right, terrific. Well, thanks for being with us tonight, Stuart. You had anything about your votes? Yeah, I'll give um, three to Blake Hardwick. Uh, I thought another job when um, their small forwards only kick a couple of goals. I think he's the he's the rock uh, that we need, even though he gave away a silly fifty. Uh, two to Josh Ward, who was really consistent over the game, and one to Finn McGuinness uh, for being able to. Um, go from a, a stopper in the first half to turning his game around and getting getting some really um, handy disposals in, in the second half. All right, terrific, mate. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Uh, Danny, yeah. your votes? Yeah, I had uh, I had three to Josh Ward. I had uh, two to uh, Connor Nash, and I had one to John Newcomb. Very good. And Daz? Yeah, I'm with Stuart. I think Tim Hardwick is just so... I mean, he's starting to get a bit more rated now. But another really masterful performance there. Kept Higgins and Butler pretty quiet. Won a lot of the footy himself. Just went at 94%, which is incredible for 19 touches. Um, Jai for two votes. And then I'm going to give Scrim a vote for his swing forward and just being really dependable down back as well. All right. That puts the bow on uh, that game. One that I don't think too many... Hawthorne people are going to revisit uh, any more. Um, news from the Hawks, quite weak, really, on the news. So no VFL, uh, Danny. So they had, I think, was this the last of their buys before the finals? or The, like the last off? of their 17 buys, yeah. No, they had, that, I think, their fourth buy for the season, uh, which is a ri- ridiculous when you have, like, 22 teams in the comp, like, or whatever they have. It, four buys is way too much. But, yes, this is the last of their buys. Um. Ridiculously, ridiculously, Box Hill playing on telly on Saturday at one o'clock. So, on free to wear, you can watch Box Hill, and on pay TV at the same time, you can watch Hawthorne, which is, uh, I think, how the modern football media works. And we're going to have to get used to that, I think, as we go along. Um, injury list, more news. Um, as we've been almost calling out for here on Hawks Insiders, um, that uh, Ned Reeves put into surgery for the years. Uh, but basically, once, uh, as Sam Mitchell explained today, once he was 50-50 to play this week with a foot injury, they uh, did the, the smart thing and put him uh, into the surgery, got the shoulder done. And really, Daz, you couldn't argue. I mean, Morrow made the point very nicely in an article on the Substack. You really can't argue with the fact that at this stage, it's more beneficial for Ned Reeves to come back and do a full pre-season than it is to play three more games at the end of a season, which the team's really going nowhere, probably doesn't particularly care whether it wins or loses. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, I think you called it, Ash, maybe a couple of weeks ago on the spaces. I think 
we could all see that one coming and yeah it's it's all about next year as sam mitchell said it's all about the journey and getting reeves cherry ripe and having a big pre-season is is going to go a long way for us in actually climbing our way up the ladder next year so it's definitely the right decision from the club and i really hope max lynch gets a chance now he's had a horror year um and he's looked pretty good at vfl level he has looked uh he has looked good uh, yeah i'd like to see him play uh, one or two more games um before the end of the season uh, uh, that is for sure um but yeah i think that's absolutely the right thing with Reeves. get him cherry ripe for next season uh, my 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 thinking is I, I I must confess I added this paragraph to uh, to the piece that tomorrow wrote. I would love to know whether Peter Burge, Danny, is actually even though he hasn't started officially with Hawthorne yet, whether he sort of sent a sneaky text to Sam Mitchell saying, hey, "What are you doing, Freeze? Get him into surgery. I need him. I want him back for the first day of preseason." Well, it makes complete sense, doesn't it? Because like he's got the games in now, even you know with with the shoulder at. 50 to 75% because it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been fully fit, but um, he's got those games in, he's got the experience in, there's nothing really to gain from playing these last three or four weeks. So um, getting him in for surgery early, getting that done, um, you know, and look, it, it, it maybe it costs us a game or two here or there that we could have won. But I think in terms of what's important between now and the end of the season, um, having Reeves available fit and ready, um, for for the start of preseason uh, for next season is far more important than than winning a game or two here. And I think everybody knows my position on um, not tanking for draft picks, but um, ending up with the the best draft pick we possibly can. I think that's most important. So, um, and look, there's been some really positive uh, articles written about or, or conversations around Ned Reeves in the in the media uh, this week. I think Gary Lyon and Tim Watson talking about. Uh, Talking about Ned Reeves potentially being a top, I think, twenty-five player in the comp or something like that in uh, in coming years. And Ash, I know you've always um, been really big on Reeves' potential as a uh, as a sort of comp- competition leading ruckman in the future. So let's hope Burge can get his hands on him and turn him into a bit more of an elite endurance athlete because I think he really uh, lacks that tank to be able to cover the ground. So. Um, a big preseason is what he needs. I think he also needs a bit of work on his upper body strength so that he doesn't get moved off the ball by the by the big ruckman. Yeah. Before we move off Reeves, I was pretty devastated to find out that um, Sam Darcy is now taller than him. Yeah, yeah Darcy uh, doesn't stop growing. Uh, Darcy's going to be a very good footballer, I think. Um, but we'll be very happy with Ned Reeves, I think. And uh, good to see that a few others in the football media are falling in behind me. And... Uh, Talking big Ned Reeves up, uh, so that that's more or less the uh, of the, the main bit of injury news coming to the Hawks. Mitch Lewis won't play this week um, again. Sam Mitchell didn't sound overly optimistic about him coming back. I think for the last two weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get to this time or Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, and they put a line through him for the rest of the season as well. And Cosy with a cork thigh. I, I I don't know how he trained today. They the, had the captain's run tomorrow, which will probably decide once and for all whether he plays as well. But they're looking a bit thin at the moment in terms of scoring options without him. But we'll get to the uh, team a bit later on before uh, we finish up. bit of sort of semi-related news to Hawthorne is uh, news broken tonight, um, Danny, that uh, on the wide world of sports, this isn't sort of the greatest news breaking uh site there is, but it's been taken as read by a lot of people that uh, 
Lance Franklin's going to finish his career next year with the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, uh, a bit left field for me that one. I, I didn't, um, I didn't expect Brisbane to, um, to come to come to the party for Franklin. But I guess it looks like they're going to lose uh, incredible forward option Dan McStay to the Pies through free agency. So maybe Franklin can come in and he doesn't have to be. Uh, I guess the number one banana. They've got uh, Joe Danaher and Eric Kipple. It's a very left-footed line, though. Like totally... everybody's going to want to wheel around on their left foot from that from that left-hand pocket <laughs> and kick, kick goals from there. They can't all play in the same spot. So, um, but yeah, look, I think if he if he can get a move up to Brisbane and um, and help him contend and fall short again and not win any more premierships, then good for him. So, um, uh, in all seriousness, I, look, I think. Um, I think Buddy's just great for the competition when he's playing, and um, I've got no ill feelings towards him anymore. I've I've moved past the the hurt that that caused, unlike some does. But um, me, think... <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> you think I think you're confusing him for Isaac Smith. Yeah, so you've, that's the grudge you've held. But I think uh, I think he'd be good for the game in Queensland, and I think. Um, I think if he gets a couple more years out of him, another one of the Hawks that retire up at the Brisbane Lions Retirement Village. I think it's a last throw at the stumps of Brisbane and um, they're probably going to fall a bit short this year. One last crack next year. Dan McLeave, obviously going to Collingwood, creates a bit of space in there. Cap and a spot on the side. Uh, I think he's left footer as well. He's in the so I don't think structurally changes things all that much all those left footers. But uh, it'll be great to have him up there and I suspect the Chris Fagan Influence, and I suspect, uh, I suspect, uh, old mate Hodgie's probably been on the phone, and Birch have probably been on the phone to a bit as well to try and sell them on the benefits of uh, of going to Brisbane. So it'll be absolutely fascinating to see what happens there, and uh, and how the Sookie Sydney fans, um, Darren react as well. Some who seem to think he, he he's played his entire career up in Sydney, it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they would cope with him coming to the SCG next year wearing different colours. Yeah, well, a lot of them have been supporting the Swans for as long as he's been up there. So I don't know what they're going to do without Buddy. It's pretty much the only reason they support the club. Well, they might have Dusty, so that might be. <laughs> <laughs> they might be swapping one for for another. Maybe a part of the plan for the Swans as well is that they think Dust, they think the Dusty's coming. They need to put out some shekels to get to get him across. It's going to be actually a uh, a fantastic trade period. I think it's going to be an all time classic trade period just for the quality of names that are being thrown around and uh, and the very, very, very early housekeeping is that we end up doing nightly spaces during the trade period last year, Daz, and I don't see the reason why we wouldn't do it again. Yeah, I, my wife has a few reasons, but um, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get it done. Well, there's one night that you'll be doing on your own, Daddy, for reasons I'll take off air that you might be it. But anyway... Um, the AFLW Hawks will get to play a practice game, um, Danny, on the MCG as a curtain raiser to the Richmond game next Sunday, which is a fantastic outcome for them. So that game uh, opening bounce will be 10.30, um, both the Melbourne-Carlton game the previous day and the Hawthorne-Richmond game will be preceded by AFLW. Practice matches involving those teams, which really is just a wonderful development. Yeah, it's massive. And look, I, th- I um, playing it at Punt Road would have been really cool regardless. Um, but being able to play it on the MCG 
I mean, that's a lot of people's dream, isn't it? And, um, and most of these women, even though they are playing in the highest level, they can haven't had the opportunity to play at the MCG or a ground like that. So uh, what an experience for them. And I hope uh, a lot of our Hawks fans can get down there and watch, even if it's the second half or something like that, um, before the Hawks-Tigers game. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel there's good vibes around the, the Hawthorne AFLW team. And um, I think uh, Beck Goddard is a, a ripping coach and a really good uh, player motivator and people person. So um, I don't know. I think they're in for a good season. I, I, I haven't followed the AFLW um, much uh, before the Hawthorne um, license was given, but um, I'm keen to see how they go. And um, I'm sure in the, over the next season or two, there'll be a real sort of emotional investment like there is um, with the Hawthorne uh, men's team. So, yeah, it's exciting times. Yes, and we urge you to buy a membership, a foundation membership. I think they're 50 bucks for the Hawthorne AFLW team. And also buy a ticket, even if you're not planning on going, buy a ticket for the game when they go on sale for the game at Port Melbourne because once enough people buy tickets then the game will be transferred to Marvel Stadium So, uh, which will be a really good way for, for that to kick off a game against Essendon as the first game so um, we urge you all to buy a ticket for the AFLW game when it's on and then if you don't use it give it to someone who can go but at least to get the game moved to Marvel. Um, Josh will be joining us shortly. She'll be on the line any minute now. But I want to, uh, Danny, back to you quickly. A bit of news about Will McCabe. Yeah, really exciting to have a potential father-son prospect uh, who looks this exciting a year out from uh, being draft eligible. So um, for those who don't know, uh, Will was named South Australian um, Player of the Tournament in the under-16s. Um, national carnivals uh, that just happened and uh, yeah he was given an exemption as an overager uh, he turns uh, 17 I think in September so um, he uh, is a 195 centimeter um, center half back slash wingman which is interesting versatility 75 kilos at the moment so he's going to need to put on a bit of weight if he wants to settle in uh, in a key defensive slot but um I think he was also – then he was also named as uh, All-Australian centre-half back um, in the All-Australian team for that Nationals uh, National Championship. So, yeah, uh, we haven't probably had a as highly rated father-son pick uh, in the time that I can remember. Uh, so even Finn McGuinness, who was our last one, um, was, you know, more rated at a, at a TAC Cup or a NAB League level. Uh, but Will's getting sort of representative honours and, and – finding that he's at the top range of those. So, look, um, he might uh, he might be a, a top first-round pick, which is really exciting for the Hawks. Others, Other clubs have had a bit more luck with the father-son stuff than we have, so it's nice to get uh, get a little bit back our way. We now have Josh Gablich with us. Josh is the one of the uh, star journalists at AFL Media on afl.com.au. Uh he will tell us a bit what he's done. He was uh, he was overseas for a while uh, before he did some work for the St Kilda Footy Club. I believe he's from a famous football family. Um, but for his sins as a first-year reporter at AFL Media, they said, you have the Hawthorne beat. Uh, I think he's got St Kilda as well as one of his specialist clubs. Josh, welcome. Good to have you with us. Great to be with you, Ash. Loving heading out to Waverley Park on a pretty regular basis. Not a bad year. So far, given uh, the expectations at the start of the year, but great to join you. Yeah, good to have you here. What's your? Uh, you enjoy the cafe there? Do you take a few uh, secret meetings with contacts in the uh, in the uh, the cafe 
the last whatever it's called out there? Well, it's not so secret because everyone can see you from the club, from managers, <laughs> from other journalists uh, walking through. There's only one option out there, and if you're waiting for a player or Sam Mitchell to speak, uh, it's highly likely you'll be spotted. So, now I do enjoy going to that cafe though. It's a good place to work because they put you. you can, they, if you don't, they know your journal, they put you on a table and you can sort of watch training and and uh, and get some work done. So it's a, it's a very good setup they've got out there. Let's get down to business. Um, you've enjoyed. You've covered the Hawks this year. They've been a much better club. A couple of your predecessors used to uh, justifiably uh, carp and moan about how hard it could be to deal with them, and that was because Graham Wright and Elsa Clarkson controlled the media access with an iron fist. They've made a policy this year to loosen things up. How have you found dealing, dealing with them this year? Chalk and cheese, Ash, from, from all reports. I mean, I've, I've covered them previously in a different way at, at Fox Sports, but they've really opened up the doors and they've needed to because they were very closed off, as you very well know, during that era under Clarkson and Graham Wright and, and, and the previous comms directors. So they've really opened up the doors. I've, I've loved it. They've given any player that I've wanted across the year and been a different sort of range of players and um, Sam Mitchell has been great with his time and Rob McCartney and Mark McKenzie so the access has been great and, and it's it's great to see it because uh, I think as you know there aren't as many reporters heading out around town at the moment so the more access the better. Well there were zero reporters there today <laughs> and no. apparently it was the third time in four weeks that they haven't had a reporter turn up to uh, Waverley for Sam Mitchell's presser. I don't know why. Daz and I were talking about this before. We don't know why they just do, don't do it on Zoom um, because they're likely to get a lot more interest. But uh, I did warn the Hawks a few years ago. I said, uh, when you guys uh, fall, I said, when you're not relevant anymore, when you're not winning games, you're going to struggle to get a lot of journeys out here. And uh, sadly, I've been proven correct. But as the season goes on and they're not much good um, and, not much, and not that interesting, uh, paying a bit of a price for that. Hopefully, when they get to Dingley, it'll be a more inviting place for the media to come. You talked about you've done a lot of plays. Have you had a favourite play you've really enjoyed tend to this year? Well, I did John Newcomb quite early on, and, and I love a mature age pick and a mid-season pick. And I did him just before Easter Monday. And I've, I like a lot of Hawthorne people, really invested in his, in his year, and he's got an amazing story. So I really enjoyed covering his story. I love speaking to James Blank. I, I find him really fascinating. I love the Box Hill alignment. Same with Ned Reeves, another Box Hill boy, uh, of course. I just I like those people that have that have done it the hard way and have got a different story and that have that even, that have even worked away from, from footy and were never in elite programs. Like, I just still can't believe that John Newcomb was never in the Gippsland Power program. It's just it's quite staggering. I know the COVID plays a small part in terms of the lack of VFL exposure, but yeah, you know, I, I love his story. I spoke to James Sisley. I think he was the first Hawthorne player I spoke to at the start of the year, and really fascinating the stuff that he did between doing his ACL and returning in March this year. He's he, he seems to be someone who might end up being a list manager, like an Andrew Mackey at Geelong. He just he loves the game. He loves all the minutiae, and he spends a lot of time with Mark McKenzie, and loves watching Vision. Loves underage footy, had a lot of stuff to do with Xavier College while he was injured. So a lot of fascinating stories at Hawthorne. There, there aren't as many superstars as there was during that three-peat, but still some, some fascinating characters and some, some great players coming through. 
the general feeling amongst non-Hawthorne people and people who but people who observe them in, in football is it's been a pretty good season, as good a seven-win season as you could hope for. Do you, do you are you on that, or, or do you think uh, you think or do you have some other views on on how they've gone this year? I think they really needed the last month, Ash, because I just think they weren't getting the reward in that middle part of the year, and it was just dragging on a little bit. But to get three wins from the last month and to finish really strongly against St Kilda, it's 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 great reward. I think it just I don't think they needed the reinforcement in terms of the win loss to show that they're in the right direction, but it just eliminated eliminated some of the doubt that was sort of starting to creep in, sort of around fifteen, sixteen. So to get that. To get that win over Adelaide and to start building that momentum across the last month, I think, is great reward. And when you when you think that Port Adelaide has only won one more game and the Gold Coast Suns have won two more games, you've got to put that into perspective because I don't think people really think about Hawthorne anywhere near those two this year. So I think they've had a much better year than some people give them credit for. And I, they've got a free pass this year. There's, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, the start of a, a rebuild under a new coach and a new program. But I think they've exceeded expectations. Absolutely. Um, thanks for jumping on, Josh. Uh, first question from me, uh, your first year sort of covering the Hawks for AFL.com.au and the first year for a number of the Hawks' new young guns, Josh Ward, Connor McDonald, Sam Butler. If you had to choose a best first year player, um, who would it be and why? It's a tough question. I mean, Josh Ward's the obvious one. I've loved how much footy Connor McDonald's played and he's just showed class and I just you, you just imagine what he's going to be like with 50 60 games under his belt and if he can get them pretty quickly I think he's going to be really good really soon I spoke to Josh Ward for a piece that I think is going to go up in the next day or two earlier in the week and there's a reason Hawthorne people inside that club absolutely love Josh Ward I mean I'm sure you guys have heard the the level of high achievement that he's that he's done through his his life in athletics and football and in academic life, but he's juggling a law degree right now. He's, he's, he's doing work experience inside a law firm and he's playing his best footy again. So I've, I've loved his last three weeks. I think it's been reward for effort because the concussion issues were pretty scary there for that sort of six-week block where he didn't play. And you only go back to under-16s where he missed the last seven games of that season through concussion. And he had very similar symptoms this time around. So there was a little bit of concern Um but I, I, love, I love the way he's gone about it. I've really liked Sam Butler as well. We've just seen like glimpses of, of that, that class. So it's hard to pick just one. And, I, and as I mentioned before, I, I'm stunned by James Blank and, and how well he's just adapted to, to AFL level coming through the VFL program mid-year. I mean, Sam Frost comes out and you don't really notice a major difference. Now, don't get me wrong, Sam Frost is a better player, but I just love James Blank coming in and I can't imagine what it would be after a full preseason invested in the program. But if I had to pick one, it's it is Josh Ward. I've really liked his last three weeks. Yeah, I have been uh, a step above probably anything the the youngsters have produced. And uh, uh, James Blank's a great call. We've we talked about Blank um, on the Hawks Insiders as a box hill um, option in the mid season draft. And when they took him, I didn't. I don't think any of us expected that sort of impact straight away. It was, um, like you said, like a duck to water at AFL level, which was pretty impressive. Um, uh, the next one I've got for you is around um, the last couple of weeks, the Hawks going in with one 
one Ruckman being Ben McAvoy and not just not selecting Max Lynch. Is there anything there that we should be concerned about with Lynch? Is he, uh, is he injured? Is there, we know the Hawks have been a little bit um, secretive with their injury uh, information that they give out. Are we, are we missing something there, Josh? I don't think I don't think we are with Max Lynch. I think it's just taking him a little bit of time to get going. Obviously, he missed he missed the best part of six six rounds after that hit against Brisbane, going back to Launceston. And I thought he was a sneaky chance this week. Obviously, with Ned Reeves going under the knife, I know he didn't play last weekend, but I just thought with wits that you that you'd consider it. So, not to my knowledge yet. I mean, that's not to say that there isn't something going on, but Boxer didn't play last weekend, so I just feel that I'd like to see him obviously play a little bit more senior footy in the back end of the year. I think he's only played the six games this year, which is quite remarkable given um, what he has shown at times. It's just the, the run of bad luck he's had from being stung by a bee to COVID to obviously the, the, the two concussions and the timing, so it's been a frustrating first season, but I've liked him. I've, I, I mean, I love Ned Reeves. I think Ned Reeves has shown this year that he's going to be a genuine star. But you, as we've seen this year, you need at least two, probably three. So it makes it fascinating to see what happens with Ben McAvoy. Obviously, Max Ramson was signed mid-season. But if, if McAvoy goes out, do you need a third ruckman that's ready to be to play if called upon next year? It's It's going to be a curiosity heading into the sort of trade period and across the summer with the SSP. Yeah, just Thanks. before I pass you over to Daz, just on Ben McAvoy, um, do, you, do you have an inkling of which way it'll go in terms of contract-wise with him? Do you think he'll go on another year or do you think he's going to pull the plug? From what I've been told, it, it literally has been, let's get through this season and, and just and make a decision. I, I don't think they're leaning either way and that's in McAvoy's camp and that's in Hawthorne's camp right now because of the serious nature of that neck injury there was just I mean there was a feeling early on that he wouldn't get back and it was career threatening he's speaking tomorrow at Waverley Park so I'll head out there and I will ask him what's your desire because he was on ECN this morning and no one asked him do you want to go on and, and play next year so I'll ju- I'm going to butt in for one sec I interviewed him for the record which is out uh, now and that's the one question I want to ask him and he pretty much cut me off and said, we, 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 I don't want to talk about it. Uh, can we just not talk about that? So I think it's a, I don't know if it's a sore point. I don't know what it is, but I think uh, I, I just didn't know what he just didn't really want to discuss. I'm not sure you'll get much more out of him tomorrow. That interview was 10 days ago, so maybe you might get a bit more out of him tomorrow. I'm fascinated to see what he has to say, but he was, was the one part of the story we couldn't, uh, we could, the one thing that he refused to discuss in, in what was otherwise a fairly wide ranging chat. What's your feel on that, Ash? Would you like to see him go on? Have you seen enough now across this last month to suggest give him another contract? Or do you think at 33, and given the issues this year, it's it's time to go in another direction? I'd probably give him one more year just to have him almost as insurance. And it mm. might be a bit like Liam Shields this year where you say, you know, if everything goes well, you're not going to play a lot. But just to have, have him around for 12 more months, I think um, is probably the right way to go. I still think Ned Reeves might still be 12 months away from just for being a, a, a Max Gorn type that's just going to play every game. So yep. for that reason, I, I would have him on for one last season. Um, but yeah, it, it might be, you, you know, you might play 12 games, Ben, but we just think you've got too much off. Because the worry for me would be that 
we the Hawthorne don't play him, and then a certain former Hawthorne coach goes to North Melbourne and grabs him for twelve months, where he'd be a player like he'd be fantastic at mm. North Melbourne in that similar sort of role. I'd rather him doing that at Hawthorne than uh, than at another club. It's a good point. It's it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens. Obviously. Captain out of contract, three games to go. You think we would find out before round twenty-three? So it's going to be one to watch. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And um, j- just on the McAvoy and captaincy question, if he doesn't go around next year, who do you think is the natural successor? We've seen Sicily have a crack at it. Um, we've seen O'Meara have a crack at it. And, and to be honest, I don't think either of them really have that sort of um, leadership. Uh, influence on the group as Ben Ben, uh, ben McAvoy does. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make. I mean, the silver lining of, of, <clears throat> of McAvoy's absence this year is exposing those two to the captaincy. We've seen them rotate through across the year. I, I mean, I, I love James Sisley's year. I think everyone that you speak to there, the growth that he's made just in terms of maturity in that 18 months out has really given him an advantage and set him up to potentially take over from McAvoy, but there isn't really rock-solid obvious options aside from Sicily and O'Meara right now. And, I, and from from everything you hear about Jay O'Meara in terms of his leadership, he's, he's been amazing for that group. So they've got two really good options. I don't, I don't know if they're five-plus-year options. I mean, O'Meara is 28 now. Sicily's a little bit younger, I think 27. So... Sicily feels the natural fit. I, I just feel like he's matured since we last saw him going back to 2020. Even his, his on-field demeanour at times. I love the way he plays on the edge. But he's just he's just, just a, a little bit removed, a little bit of that looseness, which can sort of shift the momentum in games at times. Absolutely. As, as, as great as James Blank has been going, and we seem to have really picked up a play there, I'm... I think some Hawthorne supporters have a lot of concerns around Denver Granger Barras's form. He's been in and out of the side, and when he's been in the side, he has barely touched the footy. He's been pretty pretty poor in his um, decision making. hasn't really influenced games. Um, I've been pretty harsh on him. A few others have, have said he's a you know young key position player. Um, is there concerns around his form? And um, do, do, you, do you have you noticed anything there? It's not a bad point. You raise. I mean, obviously, being such a high draft pick, there is so much attention on him. But he is only twenty still. I'd like to see another twenty games into him. I mean, Fisher Mackesy. We they've almost written him off in Adelaide, and I think they're the identical pick, um, a couple of drafts apart. So we're definitely not at, at anywhere near that stage yet. But I would like to see a lot more footy out of Denver in the in twenty twenty three because. Yeah, you're right. We probably haven't seen the growth that we hope for this year out of him, but there have been signs. So I just do think those key position types do take a bit of time, and he's he's still pretty skinny. I'd like to see him add, you know, five plus kilos over the summer. Yeah, absolutely, and that's probably what I've uh, echoes what I've been saying in terms of that upper body strength. He's just not able to compete um, with the the big tall forwards, and I think it impacts his confidence going into certain matchups, which I think that hasn't helped as well. So just looking forward, Josh, in terms of, um, you know, the Hawks are going to head to the draft. They're going to have a top-end draft pick. I'm not going to ask you about specific players, but what sort of area of the ground do you reckon needs the most, um, I guess, um, addition, you know, reinforcement is, is probably the word. 
Oh, look, I still think the midfield is is something to continue to focus on. Obviously, Ward, such a high pick last year and, and a big priority. So I still think with, with pick six, I mean, I haven't looked too closely at the draft just yet. Cal Toomey is obviously across all that for us. But I will spend a fair bit of time heading into November looking at the draft. So, I mean, pick six is a pretty good spot to be in. I mean, Hawthorne right now, they've also got pick 24 and I think 42. So they're going to need, I'm, oh, I'd love to sit in Mark McKenzie's war room in the next month or two and just find out what they're thinking, because I'm sure given where they're at right now, they'd love another pick or two inside 30 and just really beef it out and, and make sure that they can, they can really add some talent sort of during this period. Obviously what they did last year with, with McDonald and Butler, it was a good collection. So I'm sure they'd like to do that again. But pick six puts him in a in a really strong position, and we saw Will Ashcroft today sort of take himself off the market in a way, and it's it's going to be quite interesting to see whether someone does make a bid on him at, at number one come come the end of the year. But um, we're going to start talking about that a fair bit, I think, um, come the end of September. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think um, before uh, I throw it over to Ash, do you think uh, that means conversations around moving on senior players again, Josh, or have we? Is that well run dry? I would never rule it out. I mean, we only go back, you know, less than twelve months, and the Luke Bruce situation was very real. I mean, Chad Wingard was emphatic about not going, but Luke Bruce thought long and hard about it. They only gave him forty-eight hours to make a life-changing decision. In his early 30s, I think if they had given him a bit more time, he may have been wearing orange this year and he's had a sensational season, especially at his age. So I'm sure they're, that they're conversations that are, that are going on at the moment just because they need more picks inside that top 30 just to accelerate this rebuild. So who knows? It's going to be quite fascinating. Obviously, Jack Gunson is, is the biggest name that's yet to re-sign. So it'll be a bit of a watch this space on, on him and, and that situation. Yeah, Gunson's the one. He's no start to come up in, in whispers. I'm not sure that you'd get a pick in the top 30 for Gunson necessarily, but mm. that's the Isn't one. Isn't he an that... unrestricted free agent? I think he can leave on the free. Mm. If you probably no, he might be. I don't, yeah, but no, I'm not sure. We should have the free agent list in front of us when we do this podcast. Note to self for next time. Um, before I let you go, Josh, uh, so Ben McAvoy was on the wireless this morning uh, with the SEN boys, and he was asked about finals next year. He was asked about where, you know, we ever talked about the rebuild. How long does he think it's going to take? He said he thinks the list has the capabilities of playing finals next year. He said, you know, it all come down to execution. But he's seen enough this year to think that, that they could play finals next year. I think it's a slightly optimistic take. Uh, what, what say you? I'm with you, Ash. I think next year it's going to be just a little bit out of out of reach. But you, you just never know. I mean, you look at Collingwood this year and, and it really gives clubs optimism at, at this time of year. But I do think that it's, it's, it's more likely 2024. You, you, there's still just so much youth there to get games into across these next 12 months. So it feels a stretch, but uh, I'm sure others are a bit more optimistic. I've got another question for you, and this because you ha- this is, this club is your other beat as well. Jared Ruffhead signed a three-year deal with Secure. His main beef, I think, his main thing is to be the uh, Max King whisperer, but I know he's got interest in list management. 
He's also very close to Sam Mitchell in a very and and they're 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 very different sort of personalities. My theory is that Ruffy's coming back to Hawthorne at some stage. You know, he'd want to get out and experience another club. Um, but I have a theory that he's going to come back to Hawthorne at some stage. Have you heard anything about that, or what's his role at St Kilda? Is he going to is he going to go down more the list management role or the coaching role? And is, what do you think about him someday coming back to Hawthorne? Well, I love the romance, Ash. I, I like. I haven't heard it, but um, I'm sure it's something that's that's that he would want to do it at some point. Whether three years is long enough, given how long he spent at Hawthorne, I feel like he's someone that probably wants to go and experience another club or two um, in terms of not just St Kilda, but but maybe five years at St Kilda around that mark would, would be enough. But I get the sense with with, with Ruffhead that it's it's far less about coaching and as you touched on this management, but even a head of football role sort of feels with him because he's such a leader of a football club and that is such a significant role and it's only becoming more and more powerful as we're seeing um, across the competitions with across the competition with heads of football but it's a good point I mean he's probably got what, what has he got one year left on that on that contract unless he's re-signed behind the scenes but they love him at St Kilda because he brings as you touched on leadership list management and he works really closely with the key forwards and, and Max King in particular so he'd be a great get if Hawthorne could get him back at some point but maybe uh, it's it's a little bit off. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because he's sort of had the same role for three years. I know he's a boundary, he's sort of a bench coach. But I'm just wondering after three years, he whether he wants to, uh, it might be have to go to a third club before he comes back, but whether he might think it's time to move upwards in, all, in an organisation somewhere. So I just want to watch. It's just an mm. interesting theory of mine. I know it's after the game. He spent the 10 minutes after the game talking to Phil Lambert, the uh the Hawthorne physio before he made his way back to the singular room. So his ties are obviously deep. But I know that I just think he and Mitchell together. Maybe this is just a bit of wishful thinking. But I just think he and Mitchell one day. And, and McCartney's doing a fantastic job. And Mark McKenzie, I reckon, is a, he's, a, he's, he's got a gift at finding footballers. But I think that the, the, the romance right one day is that uh, Mitchell and Roughhead are the two senior figures at Hawthorne from a football side of things is, uh, is, is, is quite irresistible. It'll be a massive story, Ash. Hopefully we're both covering it. <laughs> I'll be long gone by then, mate. I'll leave the story all to you. Um, <laughs> we, we are going to leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us and uh, for giving us your, your thoughts. You, uh, you are close to the mark there and uh, you've covered Hawthorne really well. The, the, not, uh, one of the reasons we started Hawks Insiders, Josh, uh, last year because it was out of a frustration at the way Hawthorne is often covered by those who... who, who should be covering it, um, but certainly no frustrations with your work. You've just been terrific, and you've been really uh, illuminating all year. But and Josh Ward, sorry, now we'll all be looking out for that as well. So, uh, thank you for your time. Good luck for the uh, the pointy end of the season, as they say. And uh, we uh, would like to get you back, perhaps during the uh, the silly season, to uh, talk a bit more. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me, Ash. Thanks, guys. All right, Josh, thanks for joining us and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. That was Josh Gablett from AFL Media. Um, before we finish up, let's get to our match preview for the uh, – probably should have asked Josh this, but uh, I have a theory, Danny and Daz, that it is not so much three more matches this year for Hawthorne, but 12 more quarters of match play. What do you think? Uh, that's a, that's a fair, fair point and probably a, a good way of looking at it. I think the importance – for these next 12 quarters, as we'll put it, Ash, is um, 
is just time into these guys. Now, you know, we've got Granger Barras uh, coming back in this weekend. We've got Emerson Jecker playing at, you know, in the back half again. We've got Jai Sarong making his debut. So, you know, Sam Butler coming back in after a, a bit of a layoff last week. And I think it's really important for those guys just to get games and just to get practice in and just to get reps in. Um, and just start the link-up play. I think the, one of the most exciting things about the, the comeback against St Kilda was that it was predominantly um, McAvoy and our young kids that led it. So, um, you know, you just want to see those sorts of signs over the next three games or 12 quarters, however you break it down. If we see that, then I think uh, Mitchell and the coaching staff will be really happy headed into the, to the off-season. So the teams, so the changes are four changes, or three changes. It's uh, Granger Barras Sarong in for his debut and Jabonipi back from being managed. CJ out suspension. James Blank managed. Josh Morris is injured. Unfortunate for Josh Morris because he really was. I didn't particularly rate him, but I thought he's four weeks or so at senior level. He improved with every game and started to look quite comfortable. But I think they have certainly found a, uh, a depth uh, defender for next year, if nothing else. Mitch Lewis also missed through that knee soreness. Um, we'll do the team quickly from the back line in case you haven't heard. Sicily, Jekka. Scrimshaw, halfback, Impey, Hardwick, Denver, Granger, Barras, centre-line, Ward, Mitchell, Morrison, half-forward, Sarong, Bruce, at centre-forward, the work experience, keep continuing to have some fun, Connor McDonald, the forwards, Butler, Gunston, Moore, McAvoy, Newcomb, O'Meara, the followers, the bench, McGuinness, Nash, Day, Kozitsky, Blank, if those managers, an emergency, Phillips, Howe, and Hardigan, um, who do you think will be the sub there, Daz? Oh, I hope not, Jai Sarong. Um, no, well, he's named to the squad in the team, yeah. I don't think. Um, Phillips. Yeah, I think it'll be Phillips as well. Um, we've seen the last of Dan Howard. Oh, don't know. We've seen the last of Howe in the Hawthorne jumper, uh, Danny? Uh, yeah, I'm writing a piece on the state of our list at the moment, and that's the way I'm leaning. I think um, this time last year, Clarko was bringing him in whenever there was a gap in the in the in the team somewhere as a bit of a utility. Um, Mitchell's turned to Finn McGuinness, and I think he's given far more promising results with a much higher ceiling as a as a player. So I think that's just about stamped the papers of Dan Howe, and I. Wouldn't be surprised if Tom Phillips' papers are stamped as well, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd like to see Phillips maybe. I mean, he did have the injury that cooled him for... Hasn't really had a chance, Phillips, to iron out the kinks in his game because he had that injury for a, a lot of the year. So I'd uh, I'd be open to Phillips playing next season, but I think I'm in minority. That's a minority yeah, point. Yeah, I think you are for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get your tips for the four for the next four quarters of match play. How will Hawthorne be at the end of the scrimmage uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon, one forty-five at uh, Utah Stadium? Daz? Oh, I think we're going to lose. I think we played terribly against Gold Coast up north, and I think even though we have our home ground advantage, it's a very strange and experimental squad and a dysfunctional forward line. So I can't really see us beating Gold Coast too. I think they've got a mathematical chance, don't they? If they win every game and a few other bits and pieces happen, they could scrape in, but probably not. Yeah, I guess they've got a bit more on the line than us and, um, yeah, can't can't see us winning this one. Danny? 
Yeah, piggyback on the back of what Daz said. Um, I think we should see, and I would hope that we would see, a more spirited performance against them this time than we did up in uh, up in Alice. Um, if we don't, there's serious questions there, I think, because you would suggest that that performance that they put up uh, last time we played them, uh, Mitchell would be sort of dragging them over hot coals for it. So you'd hope they come out, but uh, we're probably just missing a few too many. We, we don't have the depth to cover Ned Reeves being out and Mitch Lewis being out and, and, and injuries like that. So um, they should be too strong for us. Pretty comfortable winners, I think, in the end. Yeah, they got a bit lippy against Hawthorne when they played them uh, as well up in Darwin Centre and be on good terms with themselves as they kicked away. And uh, let's hope that's at least in the memory bank. But I agree with you. I don't think they've got the cattle this week to get the win. Remarkably, the bookies don't just refuse to bind. I know you don't like talk, this talk. Uh, the last time I checked, it was a do- the Suns were dollar eighty eight and Hawks a dollar ninety two. So basically, it's a even money bet. But I, as I said, I can't see the Hawks getting over on this week. But I think. By virtue of the venue, it should be relatively close. And I think it's going to be the sort of crowd there as well that people are going to be writing in the, uh, the, the obituaries for the uh, Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne partnership with Tasmania because I don't think there'll be a lot of people there at all. Um, as I said, mentioned before, a bit of a shameless plug for the AFL record this week. The cover story is Ben McAvoy. Had a great chat to him earlier, also last week in the lead-up to the game. Had some interesting things about his career and the injury he had and... Uh, and uh, what life's been like at Hawthorne. And uh, Sam Mitchell was good enough to talk to me as well for the story and some uh, good and amusing insights into Ben McAvoy and his time at the club. So I do commend the record to all of you, $5 from Cole Supermarket, or Cole Supermarkets or newsagents. And uh, well, if you do happen to be in Tasmania on Saturday, you Taz, to buy a copy of the magazine. That has been the spaces of this week. We managed to get there with a couple of soldiers down. Hopefully, we'll be back closer to full strength next week as we look into the Richmond game, which I predict, Danny, do you agree with me, will be the Liam Shields farewell game? It'd have to be, wouldn't it? I think we're back in Tassie again the week after, so you'd want to give him a farewell game while we're in Melbourne. So um, even though it's not a home game, uh, I think he should. I think he definitely deserves one. So whether or not he gets one, it uh, remains to be seen. Who knows if Mitchell has the same sort of uh, connection slash uh, romance about the way he coaches that Clarko likes to have. But um, he's a he's a very very great loyal servant of our footy club, and I'd like to see him get one more gig um, before the season's out, just to say goodbye. Yeah, another player who wouldn't totally surprise me uh, could uh, you know could find himself playing for. North Melbourne next year um, if they're looking to get a couple of uh, experienced veteran leaders into their club Shields would be a fantastic addition for them for 12 months to to raise some standards and create a bit of a culture there um, and certainly if Clarko was to uh, take the North Melbourne job which uh, some think is increasingly likely, um, Shields would be a chance you'd think to go there. So once again thanks everyone. Daz, any last words? No, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, it was awesome to have Josh on the show and really appreciated his coverage all year. Just um, great to some for someone to focus on the Hawks like that and give us so many good scoops over the year. Uh, it, was, it was good value. Danny, thank you. been a trooper tonight. Tell me to carry the load. Thank you to you. Thanks to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. Um, $5 a month, $50 for 12 months for great Hawthorne content. We're heading into our off-season soon with uh, only a couple of weeks of the Hawks. We'll let you know what our off-season plans are. But 
based on last year, we'll be doing the spaces on a pretty regular basis because there is uh, always a craving for Hawthorne content and there's always a bit to talk about. So uh, we'll, we'll give you a bit more notice about that in the next week or two. So enjoy the uh, the game on Saturday, one forty-five on uh, Fox Footy and uh, streaming live on KO or if you don't have free to, if you don't have pay TV, you can watch the Box Hill Hawks uh, play their game down at Frankston as well. Uh, don't forget, we'll have our spaces, we'll have our post-match review uh, ratings pod up sometime over the weekend, our review article as well, probably by Monday morning. So uh, we'll bring those to you. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your evening, your Friday and your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you and goodbye and good night.